Hello, all you reinventors out there. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the founder and CEO of Covey Club. And I am always fascinated by these people who say that they envision their success. They envision their reinventions. They they see it. There are so many people who I meet, I'd say about 10% of people who say they envision themselves in their reinvention. They envision themselves. And I don't really know what that means. So I'm really excited to have Alexa Fisher, who is the CEO of Wish Beads, to explain this to us. She is in the wish business. She is not in the jewelry business, even though the wish beads are something you wear. But I think it's fascinating how she has taken the whole idea of making your wishes concrete. And from everything that we know and everything that I've been studying about mindfulness and about also having keeping your vision in front of you so you don't lose your way, especially as you're reinventing yourself. It's a really interesting concept to have something that you think about every single day. It's kind of like um, your vision poster that you might make at the beginning of the year, which we do at Covey Club. Those are always so amazing. I know it sounds cheesy. I know it sounds woo-woo, but it really works when you can see that vision of yourself every single day. And there are people who say, if you can smell, see, breathe, and actually kind of project yourself living into that future you, that, and, and she says it so well, she says, you can put a pin in that map and now you know where you're headed. And it's such an interesting idea. So Anyway, that is what my conversation with Alex Fisher is all about. And I think you're going to enjoy meeting her and learning all about her history and how she got there. So let's welcome Alexa Fisher. So Alexa, I'm so glad that we're talking today. This is really exciting. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. So Talk to, let's start. I mean, first of all, it's such, you have such an interesting background. What I was just saying to you after looking at your site is you're not really in the jewelry business, in my opinion, you're in the <laughs> wish business. And Amen. Exactly. That's an interesting business to be in. So before we get to that, um, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you got into acting. Sure. You know, I think I'm really in the people business and my love of people started, when I was quite young, I always entertained my family. I, my mom was just telling me that when I was three years old, I would grab a lighter, that's sign of the times, and I would stand in front of the, uh, the fireplace and I would lip sync um, You're a Rich Girl by Hall & Oates, to the, much to the amusement of my, of my parents. So I, I took that love of people, my curiosity about people and, and entertaining people, and I did all the shows throughout high school and things like that, ended up going to Northwestern studying theater, and from there worked professionally in Chicago, ended up going to the Yale School of Drama, because really great acting is about studying human behavior. And what I learned at Yale was about intentions. And I actually think this became a driving force in my life because with great acting, a character has something he, he or she wants. They want something. And then, of course, there's obstacles, which creates the drama. There's the interpretation of a character through your, your, you know, your mind, your voice, your body. And 
when I started acting professionally, so out of Yale, I ended up uh, working out in LA and being on you know TV shows and doing tons of commercials. Um, there was sort of two worlds that emerged. One was the study of human behavior and acting and you know doing characters and whatnot. But then there was also the business of acting and being an actress uh, professionally, if you're fortunate enough to go on as many auditions as I did, you also <laughs> learn about resiliency, taking rejection, because it's part of the process to hear no probably more times than you hear yes. But a very interesting transition happened to me when I was acting. And that was sort of what happens when you get an inside look in the entertainment industry and how crazy it is. And also, you st I started to become aware of how people outside the industry would put themselves down when they compared themselves to the celebrities that they saw on television and, you know, in movies and stuff. And that bothered me. It like fundamentally hurt my heart because I thought, you know, people are amazing. Everybody has this star power, this light inside of them. So um, it was after one really, really long day on the TV show Bones. Um, where I had an epiphany and I was like, I need a sign. I need a sign to do something more with my life. And that's when I actually made my first transition uh, from acting to what then became coaching and teaching people about building confidence and connecting with that inner light. So really that's so interesting. And so what was it, was it something on that show or something that was said or something that, I mean, what, what was that epiphany moment? What brought the epiphany to happen? Sure. You know, uh, actually you can see this moment on television because my character, I was playing a lawyer, something bad happened to my character. I've got fake blood coming out of my mouth because my character, you know, was kind of semi-unconscious on the floor. So there I am 15 hours into the shoot laying on the filthy floor of the LA times building. And I felt like, what the heck am I doing with my life? I'm just laying there waiting for the director, waiting for the lights, waiting for the sound. And I thought, I really love people. I want to help people. Like if, if this is what success looks like, then I, I need to do something more with my life. And so ironically, that moment is forever captured because it did end up in the episode of me laying there with the fake blood. And in that moment um, where I kind of felt like a little silly, I thought I, I have to do more. And I didn't exactly, I asked for a sign in that moment. And I was like, okay, I, I've had like a sort of a crisis of like, I've worked so hard to get to a place in my career where I'm working regularly. Like I am being a quote professional actress. And yet I felt not fully fulfilled in that. I felt this sort of dissatisfaction. It's something that Martha Graham, the dancer called divine dissatisfaction, where you have this, yearning for something more and that yearning, um, that, that craving for reinvention uh, is actually a really powerful driving force in asking the bigger question, what am I doing with my life? And in that moment, I said a little prayer to the universe, please give me a sign. And two days later, I got a call from my dear friend, Tamara, who was a makeup artist that I met filming a Neosporin commercial of all things. And we became fast friends and she called me up out of the blue to say that she was looking for a media trainer for a pretty high profile client of hers. And my, and she thought of me and she said, you know, if you could teach this person how to be confident on stage in front of, you know, 300 people, I just think you have that 
that uh, ability. And so she saw it in me before I saw it in myself, but it was like a giant green light, like a just go, just yes. I said yes before I even knew what I was saying yes to. And it was so much fun preparing for this all day kind of training that I offered uh, this particular client. And from that, she was like, well, you might as well be the MC for my event. And you may as well have a website so that people who want to work with you can find you. And it was just this snowball effect. And from that one opportunity, I ended up creating an online course, uh, which ended up creating a more clients, uh, more courses. And now about a decade later, I have about 126,000 students around the world who have taken my, you know, I'm now about a dozen online courses around confidence and communication. And so, you know, it's this, you know, when, when people sort of feel that moment of like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? It can feel scary, but it's also like there's a door in front of you that's waiting to be opened. And if you can open that door up with the intention of curiosity, uh, a, a pretty exciting things can happen. So explain that is your main business, because I'm not familiar with that part of your business. So is that the main thing that you're doing? Because I'm thinking I'm coming in through the wish, the you know, the wish beads idea. Yeah, great question. Well, I will say that I have definitely distinct chapters in my career. So acting was one of them. And then I transitioned. And for me, I'm a very practical person. So while I am a big believer in trusting your intuition, in taking action, staying open and curious, I also have overlapped every chapter of my life. So from acting, I then began with clients and with, with training and courses. Um, and then I was doing that very happily, full plate, um, enjoying my work. And I ended up having what I would call a download a download in the shower. I was taking a shower and I heard and saw the name wish beads. I knew that it was intention setting jewelry. I knew that it was a physical product that could help people really get clear on what they wanted to create in their life, be able to write it down in vivid detail, and then take the essence of that and wear it as wearable jewelry to be reminded of the power of their own wish. So they stay inspired to take action. And I kid you not, while I am having this like technicolor vision in the shower, I also had the practical part of my brain say, are you kidding me? Like the name wish beads is so obvious. I'm sure that that name has got to be taken like the web address or the trademark. So dripping wet, I run to my computer and I begin to research the name wish beads and much to my surprise, and also another sign, uh, Wishbeads, the trademark was available and wishbeads.com was available. So I snatched them up and I thought to myself, my goodness, what is this idea? And how on earth am I going to pull this thing off? Because while I had been a digital content creator, I had never created a physical product. Now that seed of that idea, it, I knew that there was energy there. There was excitement, enthusiasm, curiosity. I felt like the idea came through me, which meant that I felt a certain obligation to bring this into the world, but I was a busy woman and a, and a mom and uh, a business owner and a coach and all the things. And so it took some time. Again, there was this overlap. So I would do wish beads and kind of noodle the idea on the side and write down things and do a little research and maybe talk to a few people. 
but a really powerful moment happened for me. And that was in 2016, I attended Oprah Winfrey's super soul sessions. It was that live tour. She had many speakers. Um, and the one that I attended was at Royce hall, UCLA in Los Angeles. Eckhart Tolle was speaking. Cheryl Strayed was speaking, but one of the women who took the stage was the singer India Ari. And she sang her song. She did it, what she calls a song versation with her song. I am light. And I kid you not, <laughs> she sang that song. And I still, to this day, like I get chills. If I just say the name, I am light. It was a lightning bolt to my brain and heart that I knew that I, it was my time to take this idea and figure it out and bring it to the world. And I turned to my girlfriend who I went to the event with and I said, that's it. I have to do wish beads. Like I have to, I have to make it a priority in my life and bring it to this world. This idea came through me and I have to make it happen. And my friend was like, okay, calm down. I'm like, no, something in the energy of India Ari's, the purity of that song, it just, it just was a sign, another sign for me. And I made a commitment in that moment. 30 days later, I launched a Kickstarter campaign to, for my first product with wish beads. And in 30 days after that, I had raised $25,000 and my business was up and running. Wow. Incredible. That's amazing. So, so you tend to react that way. Was it always like that for you with whatever direction? Cause I know I hear a lot of people say that happens for them. It doesn't happen for everybody. I would say it's about 10% of the people that I talk to when we talk about reinvention. Has it always been that way for you? You know, I wish I could go, I am just next, uh, next month I'm going to turn 49 and my goodness, I wish I could have gone back to my twenties and talked to 20 year old Alexa and told her to trust herself more, to have fun more, to enjoy the ride more, to fret less, um, to stay more open and curious. And I think that with every age that I grow older, I am doing all the things that I wish I did when I was young. And now that I have um, my own journey to draw upon as sort of, I wouldn't say proof, but experience to say, you know what, when I have a big idea, it seems wild and impossible. And like, how on earth am I going to pull it off? But because I've done some things in the past, I've listened to myself, I've taken action. I've reached out with curiosity to other people. I know that it works. And then you can draw upon your own experience to fuel new, bigger, bolder uh, wishes, intentions, and desires. Um, but I, I wish I had, I wish I could go back and um, and teach that. So I think one of the reasons why I still do teach, I'm still making courses, I'm still connecting with students. And because you're right, you started this off by saying you're in the wish business. I am. I believe in people. And my mission is to teach them how to believe in themselves. So whether that is with intention setting jewelry, or if it's with a course that teaches them how to speak with confidence on camera or on stage or to set goals, um, I believe that we can find grace and confidence and fun and joy and connection, no matter our age, no matter our age. Um, I'm fortunate to have a wonderful example in my mom who is going to be turning 75 soon. And she has more 
fun than probably anyone I know. She's like rocking her Peloton and, and she doesn't care about the number, uh, you know, that is her age. She's just like, I'm telling you, I feel like I'm 32. So, so, so that's, (laughs) that's my mindset about life. And when we're in a world right now, in particular, where so many of us have had our, our lives rocked and there is so much narrative, dominant narrative in the news that is so heavy, my, my sort of contribution to a solution is let us begin with ourselves and our own wishes and our intentions, our joy, our grace. And when we can connect just reconnect to our own inner light. That is the thing that brings more light to this world. So while I too watch the news and I'm very um, active, you know, both, you know, with, with, with politics and social justice and all kinds of things like that, my public persona is very, very committed to inspiring people to keep growing, keep learning, keep wishing. And it's not fluff and make-believe. It's actual tangible um, practical things that you can do to start to see and experience life in a little bit different way. And then you get to harness that experience for yourself. And that's the fuel that keeps you growing, reinventing, um, redefining life, re-experiencing life. And that never, it never changes no matter what, no, what, uh, age you are. So, so that's, that's my jam. So talk a little bit about wish beads. What is it? Um, and how does it work? Cause it's a whole little kind of program. It's not, it's not what you think it is when you first hear about it. Absolutely. Again, I love this, Leslie, that the fact that you started this, like I'm in the wish business. It's so true because if you glance at wish beads, it looks like jewelry and, um, I it's, it's so much more than jewelry. Uh, I also wrote a book called wish work and I knew when I, had the idea for wish beads that um, it was time for people to take a real deep dive on what they want deeply and see it in vivid detail. That's really the first powerful step. Every month I lead wish circles and they're opportunities to gather online where we, where I guide you through a visualization where you are seeing a moment in time where you're living your wish, where everything feels just right, awakening your senses to all of those details and allowing this moment to really emerge from your light, from this light in the center of your chest. And almost like it's, it shines out from you and you, you see like a projection of this moment. And the reason why I do that is that I think it's important for people to quiet their minds in a way and go deeper and, and just check in with themselves. Like, what do I really really want. And there's a slight difference between our sort of intellectual goals that we have, our strategic goals that we have, or even our general goals that we have. And people say, well, I want to be happy. Well, Leslie, your definition of happiness is totally different from mine. So with the guided visualization, we go deeper to see a moment, and then we can bring our curiosity to that moment. You awaken your senses so you can get very clear about what you're seeing and hearing, you're feeling, you're you're tasting, you're touching in with your emotions. And then at the conclusion of that, writing that experience down, really defining it, places a pin in the map of where you want to go. Now, without clarity of where you want to go, it's very difficult to figure out all the steps that you need to take 
to get there. So whether you're imagining a new home or a vacation, or you see yourself in, yourself in optimal health, it's very specific. So that's really the first powerful step that you can do. So I host those um, every month at, at wishbeads.com. And then you take the essence of that visualization and inside every piece of jewelry, there's a little envelope with five wish papers. You take one of the sheets and you write down the essence of that visualization, one sentence or phrase that really captures that moment. You write it, you roll it up, and you stash it inside the cylinder on the jewelry. I have necklaces and bracelets. And then you wear that wish every day. Why? Because throughout your day, we're distracted by a million things. We have habitual ways that we think about the world. We have, you know, we have habits. We get, we get distracted. We've got, you know, buzzers and phones and everything going off all day long. But when you see your wish, you are reminded about what's important to you and what you want to focus on. And furthermore, you can take it one step further by doing the wish work. It's 21 days of wildly simple exercises for you to tune into something new, whether it's tuning into smiles on people's faces and see how that makes you feel or focusing your attention on somebody else, which is day five. And so instead of breaking your habitual pattern of thinking about yourself, like maybe you're self-conscious about what you're saying and how people are receiving you, quieting that voice, focusing on somebody else and giving someone your undivided attention. One, this changes your own habits, which is which is great to sort of expand your skill set. But two, in the business of making your wishes come true, listening and connecting with people is a powerful way to move your idea forward because chances are with your wish, you'll need the involvement of other people. So the idea is, is that even wish beads is a teaching tool and I am a teacher. And so I have all kinds of ways for people to experience, actually to get to know themselves really well and start to experience life slightly differently and expand their point of view. Wow. <laughs> it's really amazing. So what's so funny now, where do you live, Alexa? Are you in California? I am. I am. I'm you in, I'm in Santa Monica, California. Okay. So here's the stereotype. Woo woo. <laughs> totally. Um, there are so many people who have been successful entrepreneur entrepreneurs who have said to me, they envisioned it. And what you're talking about is for people like me, who've never done that is making them envision it. And I wonder if that's what people like you have always just done. It doesn't require work because you guys know how to do this. It's a, we in the East Coast, a lot of us have a hard time envisioning it. We're kind of nose down, you know, doing, doing what's in front of us tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. But the, do you, do you sort of plug into the whole envisioning idea as being a way to move you into that next phase of your life? I mean, that's kind of what you're talking about. Well, I am, but I always explain, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up, Leslie, because I grew up in Washington, D.C. So I absolutely, and I've lived in New York, and I definitely have an East Coast personality, but I've lived in California. And you're right, there's a lot more of the kind of work that I'm talking about here in California. Certainly, I was in the entertainment industry, and I've lived here for about 20 years. However, with me, I'm both. 
I am, I've got like one foot firmly planted in practicality and one foot planted in, you know, woo woo land. Um, and I think that right now we're in an incredibly exciting time because there's a lot of research being done right now about mindfulness. We're talking about social, emotional uh, well-being. This is now um, people are, are looking at the kinds of, of things that maybe would have been brushed off as woo-woo 10 years ago are not actually being, being thought of as um, esoteric and just for California types, because there's a lot of science backing the power behind mindfulness. And I, I would consider envisioning in that camp as well. But I'm also really practical because years ago, there was a film that came out ca uh, called The Secret. And it was about the law of attraction. And it kind of made this law of attraction principle, which is roughly based on this idea that what you focus on, you attract. So it's the principle behind, behind vision boards. You know, you cut out collages of what you see and you put it up on your wall or you put it in a closet and then it magically comes to you. And the practical side of myself, this sort of East Coast side of myself was like, yeah, I don't know. I think you actually have to do stuff. <laughs> like, I think you actually need to take action, which was why when I had this idea for wish beads, I thought it's not enough. It's not like just like inspirational jewelry where you can write abundance and then like abundance comes to you. I think that there is power in specificity and there's actually power in taking action, accountability, consistency. And so I give the wish work as a framework for people to actually see for themselves and have it be easy. It literally takes five minutes a day. And if you do the work, then you'll have a shift and then that experience becomes your own. And you don't have to take the word of Alexa in California because you're having your own experience. And I'll give you an example. There was a woman who was a, a I guess there was, uh, she had gone on a girl's getaway. You know, this is pre-pandemic. And the woman who was hosting the getaway had purchased wish beads for all of her friends. I think there was like five or six of them. And one woman, you know, was having a great time, but was she, she wrote to me afterward and said, you know, like, frankly, I was a little bit skeptical about this. Like, I thought it was kind of cute. I love the look of the jewelry, but like the whole wish work thing seemed a little bit much. Now, she, she, she wrote me back because she said, this is absolutely crazy. But when I was on my, uh, in the airport flying home, I had my wish beads um, on and I had, I have a free app as well under wish beads in the, in the iTunes store. So you can get the visualization and all the 21 days of wish work anyway. So she's in the airport. They had, she had her wish. They did like a little wish circle together on the girls retreat, but it was day one. Now, day one, the exercise is time to smile. And the idea is to simply smile at a stranger and see how it changes the energy, see how it changes how you feel, see what happens as a result of this one action. Of course, this was pre-pandemic, no masks. But she's in the waiting area, waiting to board her plane, and she's looking around, and of course, everybody has their face buried in the phone, and she's thinking to herself, she said, look, I was super skeptical of this whole thing. And I thought, what the heck is this gonna do? Like, really? And was very skeptical, but she said, I'm just gonna try it. I'm just going to try it day one time to smile. And she's looking around she can't make eye contact with everybody, anybody, because they've all got their heads in their phones. And then she spies like a four to five year old boy who is not magically on his iPad or anything else. And he's looking around. So she notices him. He notices her and, he, and she just smiles at him. And with that, 
this young boy walks right up to her and says, you are the best person ever. And she, (laughs) she just about like, she just freaked out. She goes, okay, I am, I'm totally into this now. She's like, it was the craziest thing. I don't know what inspired this kid to do that and what this moment was about. But for me, it became a sign like, oh no, believe it and do it and see what happens. And it's these little miniature miracles that I can't make happen for somebody else, but they can make happen for themselves. And that's how I position wish beads in the wish work. It is like, they are not magic, but you are magic. And now, despite all of your inner chatter, you know, wanting to tell you, oh, it's not true, it doesn't work, or whatever your sort of monologue is in your mind, move that aside and really awaken with curiosity and compassion to see how powerful you are to make your wishes come true. And it's also getting you out of your old habits, right? Exactly. I mean, changing your habits, changing the way you interact and forcing you to do something different, right? Exactly. And they, you know, anecdotally, and I don't know how much of this is scientifically true, but anecdotally, if you do something consistently for 21 days, you are developing a new habit. Correct. And Sometimes you can think of a habit, like it sounds kind of routine, but really it's meant to feel like a game. And when you do it and you start to build your own awareness and go, oh my goodness, like this is actually working, that energy and enthusiasm that keeps you going and wanting more and looking for more. And you start to feel better and you start to recognize like there is another way. There's another way to lift my spirits. And and you might even notice that that energy changes the energy of the people around you because energy is in fact, you know, connected and contagious. And so suddenly by getting out of your head, by getting out of your habitual thoughts, by expanding your perception, you are really truly experiencing life in a new way. Did you ever think this isn't going to work? Did you have any stumbling blocks? Was it always Ollie, Ollie, all come free? I mean, Oh my gosh, there's always stumbling blocks. I mean, Leslie, I have a company that, you know, that started from scratching my head going, I have no idea how I'm going to pull this off to a company that's like, we've been on The View, we've been on Good Morning America, I published a book, and yet I still do not have one full-time employee. Oh my God. uh, No, it's (laughs) nuts. And last, and yesterday, you know, so I do always, I'm like, you know, I am, you know, this is like the, the, like a business school on speed. I'm mm-hmm. very passionate about what I'm doing, but it, on the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's constantly there's curveballs, and I just had to leave my fulfillment company because their service was so bad. And I had to take it back, like literally, you know, home office time. And yesterday I have officially employed my 12 year old son to help me with the packing and labeling of which thank God. <laughs> hey, he everybody fun. needs a job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's like, I'm not doing this for free. I'm like, nope, you are now employed. No, an employee. Um, But, you know, and I think that so you can look at those things and think like, am I doing this right? Like, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, you know what, this is like a really unbelievable learning opportunity and not just for me. I always like to see a win-win, you know, out of this. My kids have watched this idea evolve and I've literally, they've had a front row seat of what does it mean to take an idea 
and bring it out into the world. And so we talk about the business. We talk about, you know, different strategies and what's going on. And we talk about my numbers. We talk oh, about sales. Like, kids, that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm like, well, I mean, I love this stuff and I would love nothing more than for them to leave my home, having a sense of how to create things in this world and have that's them know, really cool. yeah, that it's not like, you know, it's not like I run off to a job somewhere and I put it in a silo and no one ever talks about it. Like I talk about it and mm -hmm. they, and then they understand like why I couldn't go to a baseball game was because yesterday I was hosting a wish circle and mm -hmm. they appreciate that. They respect it. And I think that in life, we have all these dominant narratives that we really don't have to live by. Like we mm -hmm. can make up the rules and decide what is how we want to parent and how we want to model that and how we want to grow our companies. And um, it's very humbling. I ask a lot of questions all the time mm -hmm. with people that have other areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I can keep that perspective, like, wow, what an incredible learning opportunity. I keep myself out of the, um, the, the mindset of frustration and overwhelm and things like that. Right. Well, what would you give as say three tips or tricks for somebody in your a similar analogous position as many of our readers and listeners are um, to launching your own business like that? Um, what did you learn? And remember, this is like master's level, not 101 level, but what did you, you know, like, what would you tell someone like me? Um, that you wish you had known, or you wish, you know, you had done a little bit differently or the lessons that you learned? Oof. Okay. Let's see. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is I think we all have a really well-versed, well-spoken inner critic mm. that loves to chime in whenever we are leaning into something new that we want to do or that we're doing. And we have this perception that everybody is doing it better than we are. And I think that learning how to identify that inner critic and finding a way, and I don't think you ever silence that voice, no. but having a compassionate relationship with that voice, just recognizing that voice and learn how to sort of play more nicely with that voice is mm -hmm. really important. If you are constantly beating yourself up, it is just, you're just draining really important energy that you need to run your business or to do self-care or all the things. And so one thing that I can do on a very practical level is when you're looking in the mirror and my God, I don't know why we have trained ourselves, especially as women to do this. I don't think men even really look in the mirror quite as much, but when we look in the mirror and if the habit is to look at your face and notice new wrinkles or say, I'm tired, or I look like crap or whatever that default comment is, stop and recognize that it's happening and change it. Give yourself a compliment instead. And I can't tell you what a game changer this is because hmm. cultivating a voice that is, uh, you know, that is your own best cheerleader is so much more powerful than just getting familiar with your, your own inner critic. And so that step alone is where the, where you start to, um, you regain your energy instead mm -hmm. of draining it every day and the criticism and the comparisons and all the things that, you know, that we do, that we take for granted that it's the way that it is. It's not, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. And so developing that habit, quite simply, my friend Lisa called it toothbrush love. Like just get a habit of while you're brushing your teeth, compliment yourself. 
Like give yourself some love. Be like, you're going to have a great day, Leslie. Like while you're brushing your teeth. Okay. Yeah. It's very, 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 very simple. Okay. Um, Any other things? Yeah. Yeah. The second thing I would say is this idea, this energy of curiosity is one that um, is so powerful because it has a sense of openness. So in the world of reinvention, it's, you know, your brain wants to have like a target and be like, this is exactly what it is. You know, this is like, I know exactly what it's going to look like, but the truth is nobody really knows. But if you can remain curious, so if you're just sort of dipping your toe into like, what's next, I know now in the sort of, I would call third chapter of my career that about every 10 years, I change, I just change. I'll do something for a decade and then I'll all overlap. Like I'm still teaching and whatnot, but something new comes in. And so instead of being afraid of the change, be curious about the change, start listening and looking and noticing what is sparking your heart? What gets you excited? Like, instead of being overwhelmed by the question of like, what the heck am I going to do next? Have that energy of curiosity, which is, I wonder what I'm going to do next. You know, what would that look like? What would that feel like? And, and that's a little bit of what, what the energy is around a wish circle, this idea of visioning. Um, it's leaning in with curiosity to what's going to feel amazing. So just staying with that question, with the energy of curiosity is a really powerful shift instead of coming from our analytical brain to be like, it's got to look like this because this is doable or I can build upon my expertise. I, I would say there's really an area for brainstorming with this idea of curiosity. So keeping a journal, writing down ideas. Uh, some people like to do um, stream of consciousness writing, um, just sort of imagining, you know, just sort of writing, what would it look like? What would the perfect day look like if you could be doing anything at all? And it's when people are looking for that work that is in alignment with what you love, that's when your work doesn't feel like work. That's when you're in your zone of genius where you're just doing what you love. And, and, and usually that falls in the same camp of what you're good at and, and likely what you've, what you've built a previous career on. But, but opening it up to new energy, that is the energy of curiosity. I and love then lastly, it. Yeah. yeah most Covey, last... most Covey members are super curious and life, life, we, our tagline is for lifelong learners. Yeah. So plugging into exactly that thing. So go ahead with your yeah. last one. Well, the last one I think is really having to do with creativity. I think, especially as women, we're natural creators And each of us have a different flair with creativity. So it may be gardening, it may be cooking, it may be watercolor, it may be ceramics, it may be writing. But creativity is our way of entering into a flow state. And that flow state is where we actually transcend our thinking analytical brain and get into what they call the zone. But because creativity can fall under the camp of self-care, many of us don't prioritize that exact time. Why? Because we're so dang busy running the show and running our businesses and running the kids and running whatever that we deny ourselves that space. We don't make the space for creativity. And going back to my mom, who's 75, you know, she right now in this pandemic, she used to travel and do all kinds of things. She has now signed up for an online collage class, abstract painting class. <laughs> she has a collection with wish beads called Bling by Billy, and they're one of a kind bracelets that she designs because she had to do something with her energy. 
And now she is having literally like the time of her life. And I think that for people that are feeling stuck or need to recharge, asking yourself, you know, what did I love to do as a kid? Or, you know, what sounds even remotely getting curious? What sounds fun for me to do? Um, there's always a way to plug back into that, but, but, you know, take charge, make time for it, whether you book out an afternoon on a Saturday. Um, but when you, when you move stuck energy, uh, with creativity, you sort of open up new channels, new energy. It's, you sort of fill your well up and it's from that energy that then those other activities that we talked about are much, much easier. Amazing. Alexa, thank you so much. What sure. fascinating, just totally fascinating, totally different, but you have a lot of the themes, but you've explained them of things that I've heard over and over again. But I like the fact that I feel like I'm, I'm getting to understand where it comes from, from certain people, which is fantastic. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. I, I loved being here. So thank you for spending the time with us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alexa. Such a deep dive on visioning your next life, visioning how you're going to see your reinvention, living it, smelling it, tasting it. What is it like? And I, I'm telling you from all the work I've been doing and all the people I've been talking to, that is a very powerful it's a very powerful, not just intention setter, it is a way, a direction finder. I guess that's the best word. And if you need more direction, I want to tell you about our fantastic new little list that we're putting out there, which is called 31 Badass uh, Ideas for Starting Your Reinvention. And it is fabulous. I wanted to write down, because I, I been studying reinvention for so long, started at Moore Magazine for about eight years. Moore was so much about reinvention that I thought, let me just, I have so many people who call me at the last minute and say, oh my God, I'm being let go from my job or I'm being cut back or I'm being put into an area I don't like. What do I do? I'm freaking out. There's no reason to freak out. This is a great starter kit. Even though it's just a list, it has tons of links. It has ideas for you to get started. Once you get started, you're gonna feel better. One foot in front of the other, whatever it is, whether you're just wanting to reinvent or being forced to reinvent, just get started. So go to thecoveyclub.com, look for 31 badass tips for launching your reinvention without fear. You can just pop that right in. And also I think there might be something on the front page that'll lead you to it as well. And we also post it on our social media, but go get it. It's a free download and that will help you get started. So also make sure you subscribe and then you can listen to all the great reinventions that I have coming up. So thank you. Have a good week.